Welcome to the voice of St. Anthony Parish from Alston, Massachusetts, right here on Substack at catholicaudiomedia.substack.com. Today we're going to hear a full interview that was originally in three parts. It was aired over three days on WROLradio.com and also WROL locally in Boston at 9.50 a.m. It can also be heard at catholicaudiomedia.com. But here on Substack, we combined the three segments and we're going to play it as one segment. So we're going to switch over to that. In the meantime, remember, you can connect with us here at Substack at catholicaudiomedia.substack.com and you can connect and give feedback and talk to us and all kinds of things at catholicaudiomedia.com. He is the author of the book, Love Him Evermore, a nine-day personal retreat with the Sacred Heart of Jesus. I'll say that again, Love Him Evermore, a nine-day personal retreat with the Sacred Heart of Jesus. I'll say it one more time. Love him evermore. A nine-day personal retreat with the Sacred Heart of Jesus. This is Father Joe Laramie, SJ. He has a licentiate in sacred theology and also a master's of divinity from Boston College. He has a master's of arts in communication from St. Louis University. He is not a local boy, but he did some time here during his studies over in Medford. We'll hear more about that. So let's switch over to listen to what Father Joe Laramie has to tell us about his new book and also his ministry and service to the church. I did my Jesuit theology studies at Boston College, and I helped out at St. Raphael's Parish in Medford. Oh, wow. When when was that? I'm doing that. When was that? Um, Oh, gosh. I was ordained uh, 11 years ago, so I was in Boston um, 2008 to 2011. So I'm guessing you was Father Kevin Toomey. You got it. Yeah. Look at that. The the mayor of Medford. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. So you are a Jesuit, and um, as you said, you were ordained in 2011. Now, uh, I'm speaking to an audience of people. Some are Catholic, some are not, and some are even unchurched. So explain to us a little bit about what it means to be a Jesuit. Sure. So this is a Catholic religious order uh, within the church. So mm-hmm. I'm a Catholic priest. Um, there are many religious orders. Some of the big ones would be Benedictines, Franciscans, Dominicans, and the Jesuits. Of course, our beloved Pope Francis, he was a Jesuit priest. Um, Francis uh, was known as Jorge Bergoglio. Briefly, we were founded 500 years ago by St. Ignatius Loyola in Spain. We are probably best known for our schools. So if you follow the NCAA basketball tournament um, in the spring, we've usually got a couple Jesuit schools that make it into there. Um, BC will make it now and then, sometimes Marquette U or, who knows, Gonzaga. But um, we also run retreat houses, parishes, and uh, other ministries. If I'm not wrong, Doug Flutie is, a, is an alumni, alumnus of um, Boston College. You got it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know if it was a miracle, but uh, we're sure glad that uh, that Flutie Pass was caught in the end zone. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, and you also run what is known as the Apostleship of Prayer. Uh, tell us a little bit. Of, is it, Did I have that right? Apostleship of Prayer? Absolutely. Yes. Um, this is a almost 200-year-old Jesuit spirituality outreach to the whole church, even the whole world. 
we promote devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, a simple daily offering of my heart to the Sacred Heart for the salvation of all hearts. Hmm. Uh, there's a little kind of morning prayer that goes along with that, that we encourage folks to pray. Um, briefly, it starts off like this. Oh, Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day. So just a simple way to start my day, uniting my heart with the Sacred Heart. Tied into this, each month the Holy Father gives us a special prayer intention that we are honored to share with the wider church, again, even the whole world. Um, this has been going on for over 100 years, so we have a Jesuit pope who's happy to participate in this, but, um, you know, who's going through John Paul II and popes before him on a whole range of topics. Uh, sometimes it's uh, some natural disaster, you know, we're praying for people who are suffering. Um, sometimes it's for peace. You know, gosh, we look at uh, Ukraine, the people suffering there. So just a certain way to keep us um, mindful of the needs of the world as we unite our hearts with the Sacred Heart. That's and that that's powerful. That came from Saint uh, Margaret Mary Alcock. You mentioned that in your book. We're going to be talking about your book, "Love Him Evermore," which is a nine-day personal retreat with the Sacred Sacred Heart of Jesus. And uh, you mentioned that 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 uh, the devotion did it really. It started with Saint Margaret Mary Alcock, or did it begin prior to that? That's right. Um, Yes, St. Margaret Mary, uh, one of these great saints and mystics in the Church. She lived in the 1600s in France. She was a religious sister. Started to have these powerful visions um, with the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Uh, Her spiritual director, a young Jesuit priest, now known as St. Claude Colombier, Mm -hmm. was really her kind of guide through these powerful experiences. Although in another way, we could say this devotion goes back much further. Um, other saints and mystics speak about this, and really it goes back to the year one, okay, that truly Jesus has a beating heart. Uh, at first, within the womb of the Blessed Mother, as uh, the child Jesus is being formed and growing, uh, as this tiny child in her womb, then of course he is born, and this heart of God this heart of Jesus that is fully divine and fully human. You know, it's really, for me, a way of uh, just that personal connection with the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. We see the whole range of human emotions that he goes through in the Gospels, Mm -hmm. Uh, joys, sorrow, even anger. So for me, too, if I'm experiencing moments of joy, I can unite those with his joys. My sorrows with his sorrows. Even my anger I can bring to the Sacred Heart um, Mm -hmm. and Jesus sometimes may want to calm my heart. Other times he might want to channel that, uh, that energy into something um, more constructive than just, you know, me complaining or griping about something. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's been a beautiful devotion in the church for many centuries. You know, Father Joe Laramie, uh, looking at this and, and and understanding that, you know, as you're talking about, one of the things that just popped into my mind as you're saying that is, of course, we believe that Jesus is fully human and fully divine. 
and that's unique to our belief in Christ as the Son of God. So it was like the first time I realized that if you were worshiping a, you know, got to go back to the time, the early days of, of Christianity, when, when it wasn't that you were not only preaching to the Jews, but you were preaching to the pagans. And that concept of that sacred heart, so to speak, would not have been a concept familiar to the pagans in their worship of their God, bringing it further that we are worshiping the God who is fully human and fully alive. Am I right in saying that? I think so. Yeah, this is uh, the Christian revolution, right? Mm -hmm. God becomes man for us. Um, What to say? Philosophers who may say, okay, yeah, there's a, a spiritual being somewhere out there uh, who is wise and all-knowing. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, there's a certain truth in that, of course, but to say, yes, and that God has a beating heart, and I know his mother's name, which is mm-hmm. Mary, mm-hmm. Um, you know, that'd be shocking for so many world religions, um, that, you know, God really comes among us, that God has a beating heart, mm-hmm. um, a heart that can be wounded, right, by our sins, as Jesus is pushed aside in the Gospels, most dramatically through his passion and death. Um, So my sufferings, Jesus understands. He's been through those himself, and that can bring me much consolation. Now, for those who may not be familiar, one of the signs are the um, representations of the Sacred Heart, and I have it, it's on the front of your book, Love Him Evermore, um, is the uh, heart in the shape of the traditional concept of like the Valentine heart. and surrounded by thorns, and then a flaming cross at the top. That's one one of besides the other image of the heart in Jesus' chest. But there is this image of the Sacred Heart. And now, yes, um, and that is very much rooted in the the visions of Saint Margaret Mary and other mm-hmm. other saints. So you know, it's it's artwork that has a kind of spiritual message, right? Mm -hmm. So this heart is on fire with love for God the Father and love for all of us. Uh, This is a heart that is wounded. So we see the crown of thorns there, uh, an image of his passion. Also, this heart is pierced. Uh, We see in John's Gospel that the heart of Jesus is pierced as he hangs upon the cross, Mm -hmm. outpouring blood and water from his pierced side. And here, too, saints will see an image of the sacraments of the Church flowing from the heart of Jesus. Uh, water in baptism, blood in the Eucharist. Also, this is a heart that is glorified. Yes, it is wounded. And this is the risen Jesus with a risen body. So, in a sense, the suffering is not the end of the story for us, too. You know, my mm-hmm. challenges, um, you know, God has more graces uh, in store for me, including hope for eternal life. We are continuing our interview with Father Joe Laramie, SJ. He's the author of the book, Love Him Evermore, a nine-day personal retreat with the Sacred Heart of Jesus. He's continuing his discussion with us, and now he's telling us a lot about uh, the spirituality that he is teaching in the book, the spirituality he wants us to know. Wow. Now, you wrote this book, and it is a nine-day personal retreat. 
Uh, so, you know, normally when I do an interview, I've read the book ahead of time and I haven't finished the nine days. So I've read a lot of the book ahead of time, but instead of reading it all at once, which I think would not make sense, I'm reading it uh, day by day within my prayer. And uh, it, it's fascinating because, first of all, you, you talk about it based on the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Could you explain, explain a little bit of what that means? Sure. So St. Ignatius, uh, again, lives in Spain. Uh, he's born in the year 1491, so just the year before Columbus sails the ocean blue in 1492. Right. Um, briefly, he's from a wealthy family. Uh, he's <laughs> pretty prideful, pretty vain guy. That's, uh, we see that in his autobiography describing himself. Okay, he's in battle as a soldier, has this terrible... Uh, injury to his knee is hit by a cannonball in the knee. Mm. Okay, falls to the ground. They presume he will die. Goes back to his family castle to presumably die in peace. Well, slowly, powerfully, begins to heal. And like many of us, you know, maybe in your, your own COVID lockdown, right? You have some time on your hands to think, mm -hmm. to pray. But he starts to keep a little journal um, reflecting on God's action in his life also his own sinfulness. In the coming weeks and months, as he improves, he starts to travel through Europe, going to different shrines, monasteries, cathedrals, talking to people, writing down their wisdom. Well, this becomes the kind of rough draft of the spiritual exercises, um, really his spiritual masterpiece. This is a retreat program that all Jesuits go through. So it can be done as a 30-day silent retreat, so I did that my very first year uh, in the order. Gosh, that was about 20 years ago now. By chance, was that? But Ignatius, part of his wisdom is this is really flexible format. So it can be done, yes, over 30 days, but it could be done over a weekend. Uh, it could really? be done over a single week. Or as I'm doing here, it can be done in daily life, mm -hmm. you know, while you're going to work, to school, caring for family carve out a little time each day for prayer for your own personal retreat. It, by any chance, did you do your 30 days up in Gloucester? Um, gosh, what a beautiful spot that is. Sure. Um, I did a short retreat there, but my 30-day retreat was in St. Paul, Minnesota in January of 2001. You know, in Minnesota in January, there's nothing to do but pray, so... Uh, Yes, and I imagine and freeze too, if I'm not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Gloucester gets pretty cold too, but you can look yeah. at the ocean at least. Now, I did my deacon. I think it was yeah, it was my deacon retreat there, and we had to do a week of silence. And I remember I talked to I don't know who it was. Someone said, "How do you do thirty days?" Because I lasted until Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you, you kind of get in a groove after a while. Mm -hmm. If you can do eight days, um, you know, you could probably handle 30. Sure. Sure. It is a powerful experience to do uh, a, a silent retreat. I later actually did 11 days as a hermit in the desert, which was a little different. And, of course, you were almost mm. forced into silence because there was no one to talk to. I was in my favorite oxymoron to this day. I was with a community of hermits in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. So you have, you know, one of the things I was fascinated by, and I should tell you, I'm 64. Technically, I'm a baby boomer. 
So there may be people listening who are who are a lot younger than me, including yourself. And I didn't realize that St. Ignatius had as part of his exercises imagining a scenario and putting all the the um, imagery of as a matter of fact, believe it or not, Stephen King says the same thing when teaching writing uh, all about uh, every how it would be to be in that same spot and what it would feel like mm-hmm. and what the temperature would be like and what it, and and I, I saw that mm-hmm. in uh, your exercises here and every time I always mm-hmm. thought of that I thought that was something that came out of the 60s but St. Ignatius taught that. <laughs> yes uh, one of the real gems of Ignatian spirituality how we speak about kind of a, the writings of Ignatius you know think about a great movie director right so mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese or uh, Steven Spielberg. Often enough, they start off with the big, wide opening shot, right? So the Grand Canyon, the Rocky Mountains. But then we zoom in on the, the key characters. You know, maybe it's two cowboys uh, sitting around a campfire. Well, Ignatius has us do something similar with the Gospels, okay? To, you know, read the Gospel passage. So especially he focuses on uh, the birth of Jesus, Okay, so we read the passage, we get a sense, okay, we're in the Middle East, um, this is the town of Bethlehem, but how about this, is it daytime or nighttime? Well, Mm -hmm. it's not specified in the gospel, actually. Mm -hmm. Now, we might presume it's at night, okay, that's a fair guess for sure. Uh, Joseph's looking for rooms at the inn, there's not available. And then we focus in a little further, okay, how about the face of St. Joseph? Mm-hmm. My gosh, his his anxiety, uh, his love for his wife, his perhaps worry and concern. How about the face of Mother Mary? Uh, maybe there's a quiet sense of trust there, but, you know, imagine a young woman about to give birth. You know, maybe there's a few beads of sweat starting to form uh, on her forehead as she knows that the appointed time is drawing near. And then Ignatius goes even further and says, I will place myself in the scene as if I were a poor, faithful servant to the Holy Family. You know, here's where we say, okay, this is Catholicism. This is a full contact sport. This is not a spectator sport. You know, I am part of this scene. This is, this is my spiritual family. Uh, Joseph, Jesus, as I see these shepherds, well, gosh, how do I react? Um, how would I want to respond? Maybe I could perform some little act of service to Mother Mary. Uh, I don't know, gathering some straw to make her more comfortable. Um, Offering my help to St. Joseph to get, uh, you know, a candle or some water. And then to reflect on my own heart. My gosh, how do I feel? Um, How is my heart at this moment? And Ignatius continues and says, even I should have a spiritual conversation with the Holy Family. Is there anything I want to say to Mother Mary? a word of thanks, uh, a word of praise. Is there anything I want to say to the Christ child? Okay, you know, he's very tiny here, but people talk to babies, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, I love you so much. Thank you. I am so honored you would become so little out of love for me. And then play it out further. Is there anything Mother Mary wants to say to me? Maybe a word of encouragement, um, a word of hope she wants to share with me. You know, powerful for me, I certainly use this prayer and even try to preach about it. Um, It feels brand new, but this goes back almost 500 years. Mm -hmm. 
powerful imagery, and I like the way you would describe it as being a movie director. That you know, it's fascinating <laughs> because that does bring you right into that whole kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. Again, religious art can help us with this. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, imagine Michelangelo, right? One of these great artists. Well, he did not have a photograph of the Holy Family. You know, he had to read the Gospels, think about it, pray about it. Then, you know, get out his chisel and hammer and try to make something beautiful. So, again, it's really embedded in our Catholic faith as a a way of prayer. These truly embodied people that God works through, but fruitful for our own prayer as well. It's interesting you mentioned that one of my favorite practices is to, whenever I go to a church and look at the uh, Stations of the Cross, and just that process you mentioned, is many of these artists bring up some very powerful images, especially in the faces of all the people who are involved. Obviously, there's the focus on Jesus, but I always notice the Pharisees just... This, they're they're always animated, especially when he's fall, when he falls in their anger that they want to see him stand up and they want him on that cross and not to be left uh, for any reason laying on the ground. Absolutely, and again, that great Catholic art can help in my own prayer. Right to, mm-hmm. to look at that scene, um, you have to feel moved by sorrow. Even to notice, yeah, is there a way I get impatient with God? Um, is there a way I look upon the poor with um, maybe a sense of scorn, the way that uh, so many of these religious leaders do towards yeah. Jesus? Yeah, that's an idea. So, you know, it is, it's challenging. It's not just all warm fuzzies, um, yeah. but ultimately it leads to a closer encounter with Christ uh, and Mother Mary. You're listening to the voice of St. Anthony Parish from Alston, Massachusetts, right here on WROL, 9.50 a.m., 100.3 FM. You can also hear us at catholicaudiomedia.com. We are continuing our and completing our interview with Father Joe Laramie, S.J. He's the author of the book, Love Him Evermore, a nine-day personal retreat with the Sacred Heart of Jesus from Ave Maria Press. And so let us continue this uh, interview with Father Joe Laramie. Now, in your book, uh, Father Joe Laramie, you uh, wrote, the name of the book, of course, is Love Him Evermore. By the way, this is from Ave Maria Press. Um, And you you divide it into three sections. My Heart, Reflection, Gratitude, Healing is part one. His Heart Centered in Christ, part two. And All Hearts on Mission with Him. What led you to separate into those three sections? Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's really the movement of the spiritual exercises. Um, the wisdom of St. Ignatius is, okay, let's, we got to start somewhere, right? So start with my own heart, um, an awareness of God's love for me, um, how Christ has blessed me. Also, yes, my own bad habits, sins, wounds, and to come to the Lord for healing. So starting there, then offering my heart to his heart, um, more and more, I'm inspired by the life and ministry of Jesus. Um, again, I'm not just a spectator, but I am with him on mission, uh, serving, preaching the gospel, laboring in daily life. And there, too, there's a kind of movement of Christ then sending me out even further, you know, to the wider world as his disciple, to preach, to teach, to bring healing. And this looks different for different folks, right? Some mm-hmm. listeners might be nurses. Gosh, you're doing that work of healing every day. 
Others could be parents, you know, your own little flock of kiddos, you know, caring for them, feeding them, protecting them. Um, of course, I'm a priest. Other folks are trying to bring the Lord to the marketplace, you know, in the, the world of business, even in a friendly conversation in the cafeteria. So I think that's the movement of St. Ignatius, my heart, his heart, all hearts that I tried to pursue as well. Um, in light of that, as, as we see that, we see these different uh, concepts, I'm, uh, I've preached on this in the past, and I remember when I was growing up, and I remember my father used to saying, saying to me, because of course, uh, um, I, uh, just to kind of give you a context, I remember the day that we were on our way to our mass and we picked up our neighbor, he used to walk, walk to mass to pick him up. And, he, and I'm in the third grade. And he says, you know, this is the day where they turn the altar around, which kind of shows you how old I am. And uh, also that everything went in English. And I remember the priest explaining this. And years later, back during the 70s, my father used to say to me, we never learned this God loves you stuff. God was to be feared. <laughs> And I've preached a lot how the old image of God that a lot of people had is very similar to the Wizard of Oz, the, the phantasm part of the Wizard of Oz, screaming silent. And there were people that have come up to me and say, yes, that's absolutely true. That's exactly the image of God we had. Whereas, especially as you're talking about now, and it's definitely in your book, and obviously coming from St. Ignatius, that is not the image of God that we are intended to have as Catholics. Thank you. Yes, it's um, that's a great kind of synopsis, I think, of some recent history. Um, you know, in certain ways, I think that's why this Sacred Heart devotion is starting to turn and get stronger. Now, again, it goes back centuries. In a sense, maybe it felt like it uh, went to the sidelines for a while. But, you know, people are seeking that personal relationship with God, with with others even, you know, in this world of ours that feels so divided and uh, fragmented. Um, of course, this sort of personal connection with Jesus, it's in the Gospels, right? Like Jesus reaching out and blessing those who are wounded, um, calling his friends to himself. Yes, it's time, uh, maybe in the church, just to deepen and renew uh, that connection with him and even that heart-to-heart -heart with his sacred heart. That's that that is so powerful. And I think you're right. It's coming. It's becoming more and more common. And one of the interesting things that I have mentioned, because as you as I mentioned, I'm, I'm speaking to a larger audience, it's not just a Catholic audience. There are evangelicals listening. There are people who are feel alienated from the church of various churches. And I think that whole concept of the personal relationship with Christ for, uh, I actually learned that from the evangelicals when I was away from the church. I was a <laughs> Navy sailor for a mm. while. And they're the ones that started mm. talking to me about that. I said, I never heard of that. And came back mm. and uh, and w we hear that. And you, you're, you're right. It seems to be growing more and more and that this is the way where Christ called us. And sometimes I'm actually thinking that that's what's going on in our church today. The Lord is kind of pushing away that old style of, you know, as I said, from the Wizard of Oz, silence, and coming back to saying, <laughs> no, this is who I am. You know, and I think our last three popes have also 
really leaned into this. So I think of John Paul II, um, he added the luminous mysteries to the rosary. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the life and preaching of Jesus. This is walking with him uh, as he's healing, uh, renewing and forgiving. I think of Pope Benedict. He wrote those three books on Jesus of Nazareth, just mm-hmm. really helping us to dive into this personal relationship. You know, yes, the doctrine is there. The wisdom of the church is there, but that personal relationship. Finally, Pope Francis, uh, we had that Jubilee of Mercy um, early on in his pontificate, uh, the special year devoted to mercy. You know, I, I think they all see it, recognize it, and they're helping the church to grow closer to Christ. And what's fascinating is is a lot of people don't understand, because there's a lot, obviously we know there's a lot of people that are very critical of Pope Francis, but virtually nothing he says you know, besides obviously some day-to-day stuff that any pope would say, but virtually nothing he says is not, not only not, you know, I'm really bad on double negative. (laughs) Everything he says is Catholic teaching, but it's also the other popes that said the same thing. For instance, this month, um, as I said, the popes have uh, a prayer intention each month. Well, this month it's for an end to the death penalty. Right. Now, some Catholics, some Americans might hear that and feel like that's not a good idea, right? Like, Mm -hmm. criminals need to be punished. Um, We need to keep society safe. Well, that's an important conversation. Also, Francis is very much drawing on the words of John Paul II, who called for an abolition of the death penalty. So this is not like a brand new teaching, but rather drawing on that spirit of mercy that and yes, folks who've done violent things, they can receive a life sentence, and yet society doesn't need to kill someone as punishment for killing. You know, that sort of doesn't make much sense, does it? Um, so again, I think we can be challenged by Pope Francis, but also by recent popes as well. And uh, uh, the position I always have is if you uh, bring in the death penalty, you have removed from someone uh, many years of an opportunity to repent and come to salvation. That's right. And the Pope puts out a little one-minute video each month um, on his prayer intention, and he really underlines that very point. Um, This call for mercy that, yes, there are conversions in prison, um, time for prayer, reflection, renewal, and that's what we want. Well, I want to say this has been a, a great uh, experience with you to discuss your book and to talk about this. And <laughs> to remind everyone, I'm speaking with Father Joe Laramie, S.J., who uh, is talking about his book, Love Him Evermore, from Ave Maria Press. And it's a nine-day personal retreat with the Sacred Heart of Jesus based on the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. And if I'm not wrong, this is your second book that is a retreat with the spiritual exercises of Jesus. Am I correct? That's right. This is, um, yeah, really a sequel to the first one that uh, was called Abide in the Heart of Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I mentioned, um, again, St. Ignatius, he has this 30-day retreat, Well, in a sense, the first book is about the first 10 days of that retreat. Mm -hmm. The next book, the next nine days, um, you know, we'll see if there's a third one where I can uh, wrap up uh, with St. Ignatius. Wow. 
Well, this was great and it was a wonderful experience. I thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Again, really love my time in Boston, uh, proud grad of BC, and uh, love my friends in that part of the world. Well, wonderful. We're, we always like to hear that. Um, you know, we're, we're the home of the Red Sox and the Patriots. And, you know, <laughs> some people love us. And once we get out of the New England area, especially the Patriots, some people don't. <laughs> My experience is, you know, some in Boston, they may have a, a kind of rough exterior, but uh, there's a lot of big hearts. Abs- that. A- that's it. Exactly. People don't understand that. It's ad- <laughs> that's it. Exactly. Well, very good. Have yourself a blessed day, Father, and I thank you again for being part of our program. Amen. Thanks, and God bless. God bless. I want to call your attention to Catholic TV, which offers great faith-filled, family-friendly programming 24 hours a day. You can find your cable channel at www.getcatholictv.com, and you can watch online on the free apps or check out the YouTube channel. Daily Mass, Rosaries, the Divine Mercy Chaplet, and the Our Lady of Perpetual Help Novena are all available online and on demand. Check out CatholicTV.com. Well, I hope you enjoyed our interview with Father Joe Laramie SJ. You can find his website at JoeLaramieSJ.com. That's JoeLaramieSJ.com. You spell Laramie just like you do in the city in, I believe it's Wyoming. In any case, we hope you enjoy that, and you can pick up his book at uh, Amazon and other fine booksellers, including AveMaria.com. We'll be back tomorrow with Alfred Miera. Have yourself a blessed day. If you would like to support our program, please consider a donation to St. Anthony Parish in Alston, Massachusetts. There are several ways to consider this. One is to purchase any of our merchandise, which you can find at the shopping tab at catholicaudiomedia.com. That's catholicaudiomedia.com. There are coffee mugs there. There's also my latest book, Encounter Christ in Your Humanity, all of which you can find at the shopping tab at catholicaudiomedia.com. You can also donate to the show directly through either the Donate tab, also at catholicaudiomedia.com, or by sending a donation through the U.S. Postal Service with your questions and comments at 43 Holton Street, Alston, Massachusetts, 02134. That's St. Anthony Parish, 43 Holton Street, Alston, Massachusetts, 02134. Finally, the best way you can support our parish is to attend Mass on Sundays at 10 o'clock and be a part of our parish. We thank you for any support you would like to give to St. Anthony Parish in Alston, Massachusetts, sponsoring parish for this media outreach to Catholics and other Christians in the WROL, WEZE, and podcast listening audience. In Cristo vivimos.